Here we go. Hi, everybody. My name is Christy. I'm Michael. And we're Tara and Tacos, and this is a show where we eat tacos, and also we talk about horror, horror movies. movies. Although we kind of mixed it up today. We kind of mixed it up today in more ways than one. So yeah. before we start talking about all the horror, scary, stuff. spooky stuff, uh, you got us pupusas today. I did. This place, uh, what is it, La Pasadita number two? Yeah, La Pasadita number two. Um, opened up right by my house in, in like this weird uh, shopping, weird, it's just like a shopping center with yeah. just like a Walgreens mm-hmm. and a laundromat um, and uh, an event space that uh, seems to host a lot of quinceañeras. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, you're in East Dallas, yeah. <laughs> so... It opened, it's in an odd little corner. I, I hope it does well, but I was like, yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's mix it up. Yeah. Um, it, it was delicious. It was delicious. This place is on Lakeland Drive in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know, pupusas are Salvadoran. Mm-hmm. And it is basically a, like a corn patty that is stuffed with all kinds of deliciousness. Uh-huh. And you had... I had chicken and cheese. You had chicken and cheese, and I had black bean and cheese. Um, I'm going through a thing where I don't want meat. That's Hey, it's that's so, okay. It's so weird. Like, I don't think I'm going to give up meat forever. That's crazy you know, talk. But sometimes it's like... You don't want it. I don't want it. No, I get it. Yeah. That's, that's how Aspen started, and now she's, you know, essentially cool. a vegetarian. Yeah, um, no, so this place has pupusas, and so, like, if if... That's Salvadoran. If you're Colombian or Venezuelan, it's called an arepa. And if you're Mexican, it's called a gordita. Mm-hmm. So it's basically, yeah, the same, like a little corn patty with, with filled with um, with lots of stuff. It was so good. It was really, really and good. The, and then on top of that, you got a, a shredded steak taco yeah. on a tortilla de harina, flour tortilla, and it was good. It was really good, too. Yeah. I, I'm going to eat more of it later. Mm-hmm. The salsa was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got two pupusas, mm-hmm. yours and mine, one taco, and a topo chico, because we're totally mixing it up. I'm not even drinking Coke I today. know. Drum roll. How much? $8. You're kidding me. No. And that was like a good lunch. Yeah. Like, I had one pupusa and I'm, I'm done. For, so for all that was 8 bucks, and I bet the topo chico was actually the most expensive part of it. Probably, um, which takes me back. I'm going back all the way back to what I said from the beginning. If you are paying more than $4 for a taco. Man, it's crazy. It's too much. No. And I know it's like you go to the fancy bougie taco places, and this includes torchies. Yeah. And you get like a specialty taco that costs you like four something. Like three something is pushing it to me. I agree. I mean, you, you this is some of the best stuff for what, a dollar, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um I, it, there's just too much good stuff it, out there. It and that, tastes fresh. Yeah. And they uh, this place just opened. So if you're in the area, it's mm-hmm. it's in my side of East, East Dallas. So, Over by White Rock. Yeah, on the other side of White Rock from, from your house. But it's not far from from Lakewood or anything. It's, it's in an odd spot. But check it out. They just opened. La and, Pasadita uh, on 2349 Lakewood Lake, Drive. Yeah. We don't get money from these no. places. We just really like food. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's really good. So you guys should go there. And uh, Mike and I are just fond of, like, supporting local mom and pop taquerias. Yeah, and if you haven't had a pupusa, yeah, go do sh- it. You should do it. Go get out there and it's do it. It's really, really, really good. Um, so today we're going to talk about something different. Not super different, but I think we're going to talk about... 
an element of horror movies mm-hmm. that sometimes goes uh, like uncredited or forgotten. Yeah. Or take it taken for granted. Underrated. Yes. Great. Yes. Yeah. It's taken for granted. We're going to talk about our top five. We each have five favorite uh, horror movie film scores. Yeah. Of all time. Of all time. And then we have a crossover we, one we that have a we crossover share one. that we had to check with each other because yeah. I suspected. We had a couple. Right. <laughs> where you were like, I figured you would do this. And there was one on your list that I was like, ah, she's going to do that. But yes. Yeah. So we have five of our own and then one. And that, then one crossover. That, that cannot be denied. And so here is like, before we get into it, I have to make a big disclaimer and say that these are just five. Yeah. There are so many. So many. There are so many horror movie scores that I love so much and make me feel some kind of way when uh-huh. I'm listening to them. And I didn't choose stuff that people would go like, oh, Christy's going to obviously choose, choose that. Choose this or that. Or, and there's a few composers. Oh, I hit the table. There's a few composers that are not on my list that... I actually really, really, really love them, but mm-hmm. I had to go with something else. Yeah. Just for this list. And it's, this list Five this, is tough and it five can change. Is tough and it changes. Yeah. Because you know, we contain multitudes, multitudes. Michael. And sometimes you know, sometimes I f- I'm feeling Jerry Goldsmith and right. sometimes I'm feeling Wojciech Kilar. So right. who Yeah, knows? I was shot. Ah, well, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, I know you everybody was expecting it. Um, I was expecting it. And then I was like, you know, I'm good. We, we will throw out some it. honorable mentions at yes, the end. Yes, we'll so do that. I have a look, can I throw a question you Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh you have said, I think most recently in our epic rant against the pile of shit that is it chapter two. Which you love. <laughs> I, lo- I mean, you loved our episode. I loved our episode. You didn't love the movie. No, you yeah. fucking hated the movie. I lo- the the level of rage makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you had said during that, and I think you've, you've said it before, but most recently during that, that you don't like a score to tell you how to feel. I don't. So what for you makes an effective horror score? Is it Can it be defined, I guess, is my question. You know, I always... This is difficult for me. Uh, but also exciting because, like, the music is something that, in a movie, something that's really important, or sound is really important. Um, and my husband is a sound designer and also a composer, a mm-hmm. musician. And so when I try to talk about music to him, or to even to you, like, you know a lot about music, I always feel sometimes like an idiot because I'm like, I don't really, like, I can't put it into... I can't articulate it eloquently or smartly, but I know it when when I you hear, hear it. it. I think yeah. that's. I mean, I don't. I think I don't think that's. I think that's perfect because I was looking at mine and and I have very different reasons for picking each one I pick. Uh-huh. And to me, like some of the best scores are like fucking in your face, and then right. some disappear. Right. Some like you almost, almost don't even notice. Are almost non-existent. And so. It's and just, I don't know. They just kind of support the story so well. Uh-huh. And they... they that they are... They are essential. They become they, essential, They I become think. essential to, um, to the storytelling. As opposed to 
I think manipulative. Manipulative. Which right. some scores, right. and not just in horror. No, like, in As- everything. Aspen and I talk about the movie Hook a lot oh, yeah. as being the most manipulative film ever made. Yeah. And you're like, why am I crying? This is stupid and doesn't make any sense. And you're like, oh, oh because that, that violin yeah. came in right. just right, right and then the cute kid said a line. Right. It's like and, somebody's going, and here's where they should cry. Yeah, and you're and like, they press and a then button. you're like, fuck you, man. You didn't right. earn that. I hate that. Yeah. That's how I feel about, like, you know, uh, Les Mis, right? The, 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 yes. the, 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 the music, <laughs> the stage musical, where, you know, the first time I saw it, I was like, whatever. And then I went and I saw it. I was very young. I was in my 20s. I saw it at the Alley in Houston. And I found myself weeping. <laughs> and then, after, you know, afterwards, like, for years later, I was like, why? I why? I don't care about this. But every time I hear the music in that musical... I cry, and yeah. I think it's because it's manipulative. Yeah, yeah. I there. It's funny when I was I was working on a musical that I was writing the book for, and Ian Ferguson, friend of the show, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, writing the music. I remember saying to him, only half jokingly, like, "Hey, man, can someone hit that note where everybody just instantly cries for no reason?" And he knew exactly yeah, what I was talking knew. about. It's, you it's know? like you know the the. Jean Valjean, bring him home note. You're going to cry whether you give a shit about him or not. Yeah, exactly. Little kid dressed like a (laughs) ragamuffin, sweeping, singing, stupid cloud songs. You're going to cry. Otherwise, you're fucking dead inside. Yeah, if you have any, like, inkling of a soul left, you're going to cry. Right. I mean, this, and like, sound, like I said, is really important. Do you know what ASMR is? Uh, only through you and then Aspen. Well, I didn't know it was a thing until very recently and it's like audio sensory mind meld with something. something. I don't know, yeah. But what it is is like the, uh, certain sounds give you certain sensations. Uh-huh. And uh, are you either find them very relaxing or you can find them repulsive. Right. Um and I I've always had that. I've always had, uh, like, certain sounds just kind of, like, make me hyper-aware or sure. whatever. And it, it's mostly sounds, but it can happen with music, too. Anyway, anyway, that's, like, a, for, for another day. But, yeah, I think, I think the score in a movie has a lot to do with, um, with the storytelling. If it's done right and, and it can take you on a journey. And then not just that, but even after you've watched the movie... It can stay with you. It can and, stay with yeah. you. And, and when you listen to that piece or when you listen, you, it takes you immediately back to the moments in the film where you were like, oh, shit, oh, shit. I remember that. Yeah. That was really scary. So uh, what's your first one? My first one, Are we go- we're going in backwards order? Sure. Well, um, why not? So uh, my first one is, of course... The Omen, yeah. 1976. So this um, was the one I had, and then I was like, ah, Christy's going to yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's Jerry Goldsmith, uh-huh. who won an Oscar for it, his only Oscar. And I was going to list like other things that Jerry Goldsmith is known for. I'm going to cover one of them. Yeah, but everybody, <laughs> like, everybody knows Jerry Goldsmith. He's super famous. Uh-huh. He's composed like a million scores for movies. And... Um, he did this one, and he uses a lot of, like, uh, and he, by his own admission, he said that the Latin in it is probably not, like, correct grammar. Sure. But he uses a lot of, like, um, black, a black mass element cool. to, the, to the score uh, that, you know, just kind of, like, pushes forward this idea of, like, a reverse 
Catholic service, yeah. which is like a service for, you know. So we have the, Ave Satani. We have Ave Satanis and, and Drink Your Blood. We bring up the devil and all that kind of stuff. And yet, he also has elements in the score that are really kind of touching and beautiful when you see the Gregory Peck and Lee Remick character uh-huh. together, like really trying to be a loving couple and parents and all that kind of stuff. And then it turns and it becomes... It's just the type of score that... I, I, I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. I sing it in some form on a regular basis. Me too! Um, I mean, it's... It, I don't... That movie just, I don't think, works in any way without that score. Right. Also, because it's so big mm-hmm. at times and operatic or whatever, so, like, ah! Right. Um, I mean, it, it's it's a story of the son of, 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 of Satan. Satan. Like it, That's it's, an opera? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, I, and I think that, I think the omen functions in that way and, totally. and needs that kind of score to support it. Oh, absolutely. I don't think any I don't think anything else. Like you couldn't do like a little synth score. No. For, no, for there's the nothing omen. sort of like and this isn't a knock on the I think this all is purposeful and works and this isn't even a comment on the acting. There's nothing subtle about the story of the omen. Oh no. You know, and so No, it, it, no, it's the it's devil. It's the devil and we know from the get-go. Right. And I think, yeah, so I think it... What's the name of the doctor that we both love, but it's like a weird Greek name? Doctor, or the professor, whatever, when he goes to find the knife. Oh, knives, when he goes, oh, Bugenhagen? Bugenhagen, that's the not best. Greek. He's the best. Dr. Bugenhagen. <laughs> yeah, so it's like you've got I this, saw his face in Jezreel. Right, you've got like this over-the-top anthropologist that's just... Kind of a side character, <laughs> and he's huge. Huge, it's huge. huge. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a big movie. It's uh, I yeah, I love it, and and it's and it's it's been it's been sort of spoofed and things in in even like South Park episodes, and I think it just it just works. But you know, it's like all you have to do is hear those first few notes of um, Avi Sedani. Oh my god, <laughs> it's like holy yeah. shit! I mean, and it's it's the first it's the first moment of the movie. right? Right uh-huh. when they when they put the quote from I guess is it Revelation or Daniel I can never remember which fucking prophecy comes where, but when they the number and all that mm-hmm. is six 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 or yada yada like it's the first it's thing. the first thing you um, hear it's like you know what you're getting yeah. into well, yeah welcome. Ave Satani yeah yeah you know what you're getting and into. like some of this stuff when Mrs Blaylock. Like her sort of mm-hmm. light motif, it's it's uh, it's awesome. It's it's definitely it's great. One of the best, and it's one of those. It's not, and so this is not. It's not manipulative. No, I think it supports. It supports the story, mm-hmm. and it supports the heightened. Yeah, um, exactly. The the heightened scale of acting, the heightened storytelling, everything about everything, it. Everything. Now, if we had it. something like that in in a sort of quiet, intimate, like, it would be kind of absurd, yeah, it but it, really it but it works. It totally works. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's like, this is going to sound ridiculous, but, like, if I go see, like, the magic flute or something, I know it's not going to be fucking subtle. Right. <laughs> like, it's right. going to be, bah. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're right, you're um, right. Awesome, yeah, and I, I have a Goldsmith one later. My fifth, my number five is from a movie that I don't know that a lot of people have seen. Um, it's from uh, the movie Under the Skin. 
which is uh, the the score is written by um, someone named Micah Levi. Is that the uh, Scarlett Johansson? Yes. Okay. So, like, I haven't seen. I know. I know a lot of people have a lot of issues with Scarlett Johansson, and I understand those mm-hmm. issues. If you can get past those issues, right? And you might not have issues with her, but some people do. Sure. Um, Under the Skin is one of the most. I, I don't know. I love it. It just. It's like a constant feeling of being uncomfortable. Like, it's not something that I will go watch a bunch because mm-hmm. afterwards I feel like I need to shower. Um, it's a bizarre and story. And that's the movie itself or the music it's, or the it's combination? Both. It's yeah. the combination of both. And so the movie itself, I mean, the title is perfect. It fits the plot, but it also is like the movie itself just seems to crawl under your skin. The whole time you're like, I don't know why I feel so strange, but I do. Right. It's a really weird movie. It's shot beautifully. It's very small in scale. There are very few actors. It's in Ireland. Mm -hmm. Um, Under the skin. But the reason I love Michael Levi's score is because the movie is sort of this creeping dread. It's this really sparse score that almost disappears mm-hmm. just because it's such becomes such a fabric of the film. Right. So that it might actually be constant, but it's so much a part of it that it, it almost it goes away. It kind of becomes like white noise or yes. something like that. And and it's 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 really sparse and minimalistic and there are certain things um, there's this sort of one recurring thing that happens. Essentially Scarlett Johansson is is ingesting other like she's she's this other thing and she lures people in through sex Uh because she's Scarlett Johansson Uh Um, and then does she have like one of those vagina dentatas it's (laughs) kind of yeah she she uses sex to lure them in and then just it basically just yeah oh now I'm gonna watch um, this and the way it's shot part so much of it is in this like black like absolute black uh-huh. that I had not really seen before um it's really cool it's a really so it's cool like, movie do you feel uncomfortable because it's like it is Scarlett Johansson so it's like who doesn't want to have sex of with Scarlett course. Johansson but then it's kind of like what the fuck? Yes, exactly. And if you were... And do you still have a feeling of like, yeah, I'd still have I'd sex. I'd still have sex, of course. <laughs> and it's like, she's part of this... She, I don't want to give too much away, but like, if you were going... If you as a group were like, <laughs> we have to ingest human beings, how should we get them? Someone would be like, well, I don't know. I would probably send someone who looks like Scarlett Johansson to say they'll fuck them. And, like, yeah. and you're like... Yeah, that makes sense. That works. Um, yeah, totally. And so Micah Levi's score, like I said, it's sparse. It's haunted. It 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 is part of the fabric of the movie, and and I love it. I think it's just so effective. Cool. Well, now I want to watch. So go check movie. out Under the Skin. It is uh, divisive, um, but people who really like it really fucking like it. Okay. And people who hate it, yeah, really I've, hate I've it. heard reasons of why people um, don't like it. And those reasons play into other issues that other people might have with Scarlett yeah. Johansson. Um, anyway, whatever. If it's a good movie, it's a good movie. Yeah. It can't be denied. Uh, yeah, I'm going to Wh- go see that. What's number four? Number four for me, uh, ta-da, it's The Thing. Perfect. Um, Ennio Morricone, which everybody knows The Thing is like one of my favorite movies of all time. But this score, so Ennio Morricone, like, 
is a Italian uh, composer, and he is celebrated all over the world. He has composed over 400 uh, film scores, and he's mostly known for l the spaghetti westerns yeah. of the late 60s and early 70s. I mean, but, but like he's defined the sound of those right. movies. But he's done other stuff like like Bugsy. Yeah. Um, and like other stuff that is like huge in the United States. And um, Carpenter, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, I always thought, for, well, for a long time, I thought that Carpenter had composed I the music too. for the thing. And it wasn't until actually recently, within a few years, that I was like, oh, man, it was Ennio Morricone. And Ennio Morricone doing a John Carpenter score is just kind of like a mind fuck. Yeah. But Carpenter was looking, and I don't know why, but Carpenter was looking for a European sound for his movies, for that movie in, in, in particular. And because the movie, like thematically, the movie is about, you know, um, solitude and identity and mm -hmm. claustrophobia and paranoia and it is very male uh -huh. um, it kind of makes sense that he would get Morricone. Morricone who does all the spaghetti westerns yeah. right which are very male which and, are very male yeah. and it's like you could you could take the 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 premise of the thing and not make it an alien, make it something else and drop it into a Western. Sure. And it would totally work. I mean, uh, uh, Kurt Russell is essentially playing a cowboy. Yeah, basically. Right? He's I mean, is that fair to yeah, say? Yeah, he basically was practicing for Wyatt Earp. Right. I mean, like, and, right. and he's fantastic in that movie. And, like, it's, it's very simple. It's very sparse. It's very percussive, and and the melody is just like it's so simple, and it's mostly percussive, and because it deals with identity, because it deals with like who is who and who is human and who is not, the 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 percussive sound of it, it sounds like a heartbeat. heartbeat it yeah. mimics a heartbeat. So you've got these people kind of wandering through this, you know, Arctic, you whatever death place or something <laughs> and and you it's like you can hear their heartbeat and you're you're trying to figure out is it human is it not human you know who am i who is this it's it's and it just adds so much tension and that dog actor whenever that dog actor that dog actor should have won an God award damn man. it that Come dog on. actor bud uh, something like that. Something I have like it written that, down like, somewhere. That dog actor. Whenever that dog actor is on on screen and you hear the dun dun, dun dun. I mean, it's it fucks me up. Yeah. All the time. I mean, and you want to talk about something brilliant? Uh, the idea. Uh, yes, that dog. That dog is a very good boy, and uh -huh. he did very good work, and he mm -hmm. should have gotten all the treats. But Morricone has to do the work for the. For the, dog. for the dog. Yeah. The dog, the dog, the dog is amazing. Is just standing there. And, and it's a beautiful dog. It's a beautiful dog, and it, and it runs where it's supposed to run, and it tilts its head, and it does all those great dog things. But Morricone is doing the work for the dog. Right. Uh, it's awesome. I also love the idea of Morricone in some ways emulating Carpenter yeah. in a movie where you don't know if the person you're looking at is the person. <laughs> right. Some, like, There's weird... some, some weird kind of like meta-ness <laughs> yeah. about that. And and it's it's just so simple. 
and I won't say that it disappears. It doesn't disappear because it becomes such a... There's a lot of silence in the film. Yeah. You know, the, the, the dialogue is very sparse as well. And so it kind of just supports the psychological journey of that the characters are, are going on uh-huh. uh, because of this percussiveness, because of the heartbeat. And there's some kind of like... Um, and it's like on synthesizer. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's all synth. Definitely a sound of the time as well. And it, the melody itself. Okay, this is gonna sound stupid, but the melody itself, like, almost asks a question. Like, oh, that's like it goes up. Uh huh. At at the ends of of like the measures or uh-huh. something instead of coming down, and so it's almost like. You're constantly asking a question. You're constantly like, what is that? Which what is, is that? That's awesome. I, I Which is the whole thing that, of the movie, yeah, right? I don't even know if that makes sense. No, that makes that. that's a fucking awesome analogy. I mean, I had never thought of that, but it, it is... It, you're talking about a movie that ends on a question. Yeah. So it's that's really... Yeah, yeah it's, it's weird. It's fantastic. It's, it's just this weird kind of like... And I don't know. It goes up. And this, I mean, you're talking about like just a one of the masters of. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, this is he could tell stories with music with his eyes closed. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like this this man. I mean, if you if you you've heard a Morricone score, even if you think you have, whether you don't, yeah, whether but you if, know it or if not. You, if you if you if you you're not, <laughs> yeah, if you're not sure, then just look up the thing or look up the good, the bad, and the ugly. Or the, for a few dollars more, any of those. I, wa- I mean, I watched. I they're iconic. He gave. I guess he got the you know the Lifetime mm-hmm. Academy Award a couple years ago or something. A few years back, and and it was one of those where you're just like, oh my god, he did that too. You know, there's right. so many. Like I imagine that he, it's almost like Dolly level, right? Where you're like, oh, Mr. Marconi, can you write something for me? And he's like at a coffee shop, and, and he's he like, writes, yeah, here you go. He writes like <laughs> one measure on a napkin and hands it to you, and it, it's worth like five million dollars. You know, in his fucking sleep, he could, yeah. he could, you know, for your life. Fucking awesome. Yeah. So, what's your number? four? My number four. Um, I had, I felt like I had to, inc- I feel like I had to include it because I think it is in some ways where where it all begins, and that is Bernard Herrmann's score of Psycho. Oh man, um, that is arguably, it, arguably the finest it, horror it's, movie score. It's it's just and it's emulated. It's been so emulated. It, it's one of those things we talk about some of these things sometimes like you know the call is coming from inside the house that even if you haven't seen Psycho mm-hmm. which seems bizarre seems bizarre I don't know there are elements of show. the score from Psycho that you know like yeah. you know right 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 everybody right. knows what yeah. that is yeah. it's been emulated and parodied a million times uh-huh. on a million different things uh-huh. um, and so I, I I felt like I was like I have to I have to I felt like I had to include it because I think so with like the movie itself yeah right? without it without it where are we we would not be <laughs> sitting here talking yeah, about this and stuff I, and I think uh, that that's that goes for the film and that that goes for his score so I, I don't even feel like I need to get too no, into but it, remember but. the other day when we just I, we were somewhere and then we came over to my house and we just started watching Carrie for mm-hmm. fun and um, I mean he's De Palma straight up De Palma up. straight up yeah and lives. I don't I don't think he would and no and I don't think it's like a He's not pretending. <laughs> no, he's not pretending. Like everybody knows, De Palma is a huge Hitchcock fan. Yeah, and he he takes from Hitchcock for every single movie, even fucking Scarface. Yeah. Um, but there is a very particular scene in Carrie where 
you you could basically go like, oh, th- that was lifted directly from Psycho, Psycho. The, the music. Mm-hmm. And it works. And it's just, it's a trope that has, you know, it, it's become something in horror moviedom where it's like, oh yeah, this is a scene where that happens and this is the sound that your mind and body and psyche hears uh-huh. when that thing is going yeah. on. And it, it, so I, I just... It's, yeah, I mean, it's just sort of definitive. And it's so funny to me now is, and I again, I feel the same way about the movie itself, is all of the tropes that come from that movie and from the score, like you just said, and and now you go back and watch it, and it's like, yeah, but that's where they fucking came from. Right. Like. Right. <laughs> and, and this, I mean, he is, this composer, I mean, he's just one of the all-time greatest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, incredible. Like if you go, you can look up the other stuff that he was doing at the time, and you're like, wow. So I mean, he's basically like the grandfather, right? I mean, he's he's, like Hitchcock is is the 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 grandfather of the the slasher movie, right? Exactly. Um, So yeah, that's my number four. Go watch Psycho if you haven't. Please, 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 and don't tell me it's too slow. Uh, Um, So my third one is a little weird, and it was unexpected for me even because I I even. After you and I chatted over the text box machine, mm-hmm. um, I went back and I was like, "Am I sure? Maybe is it this other one? <laughs> I don't know." So much pressure. Yeah, so much pressure. But I went back and listened to um, "Angel Heart." Bold. Um, That's so bold. By Trevor Jones, and I'm sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm hesitant to include stuff like like "Angel Heart" or "Ninth Gate" or whatever. Because when you go look it up on IMDb or Wikipedia or whatever, it doesn't say horror. It says mystery, thriller, yeah, or fantasy that, mystery. But I'm like, fuck it. It's, it's a horror a, movie. It's a horror movie. Come on. And so Angel Heart um, from the 80s, uh, Mickey Rourke, uh, Robert Duvall as the devil. Um, De Niro. Uh, yeah. What did I say, Robert? Duvall. Duvall. It's all right. They're all in the Godfather They're series. They're all in the Godfather. <laughs> what am I talking about? Robert De Niro. Um, and Trevor Jones does the music. And... It's very suspenseful. So, 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 Angel Heart takes place in the fifties, uh-huh. and it takes place spe- specifically in New York, in Brooklyn, and in New Orleans. Right. So, there's a very distinctive sound of that time that's very jazzy, yeah, very bluesy, um, both in Brooklyn and in Louisiana. That's happening at the same time, and it. And I love it when when two disparate things like kind of come together kind of come together and so it's this kind of like suspenseful weird atonal kind of like baseline that goes through the whole score and it's interwoven with like this really beautiful romantic jazz melody uh-huh. because that's the whole thing is that the 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 main character uh, used to be this jazz artist, this crooner named Johnny Favorite, and he's known for this one particular song. And so the melody of that song is interwoven into the score, like for the whole movie. And in the movie, they use this device. And I think this is what I mean by when uh, when when music and storytelling sync up, because there's a device in the film where every time you see like a fan spinning or the shadow of a fan or something mechanized it means that something bad Bad is about to happen something bad is about to happen and the score syncs up with that visual image so well 
that whenever you see like the fan kind of go, it's not the sound of the fan you're hearing, but you think it is. And it's just this kind of like percussive thing that happens in the music and it syncs up with the fan and it just takes you there like even quicker. Um, And so you begin to recognize it. And you're like, oh shit! Something's gonna <laughs> Something's happen. Something's gonna happen. It's like in that show that I love, Midsummer Murders, where it's like every time you hear the murder bird or the fox, you're, you're like, like, oh, oh shit. shit! Somebody's somebody's getting killed tonight. Right. <laughs> murder bird. Something's happening. Yeah, I think that, uh, and you know, Angel. I think you know Angel Heart a lot better than I do. Um, but even I rewatched it not too long ago, and it, it like it's one of those scores that's like creates the world of yeah. the movie, I yeah. think. It immediately tells you where, where you are, you are time what this place. time and place, and also what version of that time and place you're in. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, because there are two versions of the 50s. Sure, you know? yes. And it's like we have the 50s that are beautiful and shiny and everything is perfect and everyone is taking prescription drugs <laughs> and everybody, everybody has, has a picket fence everybody and has all a picket that fence and all of the latest you know uh, appliances in their kitchen right. and then there's the other side of the 50s that is real seedy yeah and dangerous yeah and heroiny. yeah and heroiny. <laughs> yeah so it's the heroiny, yeah dangerous side of the 50s which is my favorite 50s yeah I agree as yeah. opposed to the like we can now make a meatloaf in under three hours or whatever the fuck was going on <laughs> right, right. Right. Um. <laughs> I'm going to stick this piece of foil in the magic box and food's going to come out or whatever. Here's a jello loaf. <laughs> Gross. A jello loaf. That sounds aspic. like a thing. Like, yeah, it's called aspic. Yeah, right? Like, it's, who thought of aspic? I don't know. And that goes all the way back to Elizabethan times. We've gone off the rails. It's, well, it was time. Yes. Uh, we were too on point, but uh, <laughs> the, the, yeah, it's horrifying. Um here, smoke this cigarette, kid. It'll cure your asthma. Yeah. Um, this it's is, those jazz this musicians. This is my idea of the 50s. It is. Like, the jazz. It's, to me, the 50s are, like, all of these, like, super rich white government men going, don't smoke those cigarettes. Those those black musicians are luring our white women with the weed from the Mexicans. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's gonna be the end of that's, society. That's my version of <laughs> that the sounds right. of this, the 50s. I think this is fact. And it was all because they didn't want hemp right. to, to, <laughs> to take, take plastic over. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's your history lesson. Awesome. So my number three is also maybe a little strange, uh, although this movie comes up in different forms. Uh on the show a bunch and I actually have mixed feelings about the movie itself but my third favorite score is Jerry Goldsmith uh-huh. and it's Gremlins really um, so how okay so how do you resolve yourself to having certain feelings about the movie but this but but this score makes your top five okay so I have cer- I think I have certain feelings about the movie because I I just I shouldn't have I shouldn't have seen it in the theater when I saw it. I just, I really you were think so that. young. I was pretty, I was quite young when Gremlins came out and it was one of the movies, this comes up a lot too, along with like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and some other things where the ratings board was like, hey, Kids. <laughs> maybe we should come up with another rating that right. is PG-13. Right. Which is why now, like, I, PG movies now are not what was PG when I was oh, a kid. No. And so no. Gremlins really kind of, like, I don't know, man, it kind of damaged me. And, like, we've talked about it. Like, the way they torture Gizmo and shit, like, that was a lot when I was yeah. a kid. That said, Jerry Goldsmith's score, I think, might capture the mood and style of a movie as effectively as any score ever written. I agree. And I, and I 
I know, again, I'm prone to hyperbole, but I really believe that. It is, it captures all the, like, fun and mischief of the movie coupled with, like, this impending doom. doom. Yeah. And I don't know how, I mean, he's just a gifted guy. Yeah. He won a Saturn Award for that, which is, like, a sci-fi sort of thing. Yeah. And, and to me, rightfully so. And, like, Anytime I hear the dun 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 dun, and it's like it starts off, and you're like, "Oh, it's fun," and then you're like, "Oh God, we're all going to die." Yeah, and I think it's because I think it's the pace and the tempo because you could you could go like la 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 la, and it's like, "Oh, that's a sweet little melody," but the way you hear it is like. Yeah, it's like this horrible circus music. It keeps driving forward. Like you're going to fall off a fucking fucking cliff. cliff. And I think that matches stylistically and tonally perfect with the movie. This is just going to get worse. Yeah. It's just going to get get worse. worse. We, We have unleashed a thing that we cannot stop. Stop. And I think genre wise. Um, it, it, that's, it, Gremlins is a tricky movie and it's Joe Dante, right? And, mm-hmm. and we've talked about how good he is at sort of melding. Yeah. And I think Goldsmith matches that. Yeah. It's, it is a horror comedy marketed at kids, but too terrifying for children. Like it's, it's such a weird thing. And I think he just matches Dante's style perfectly. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I would. I mean, I shared a lot of stuff with my kids as they were growing up as far as, like, horror movies or, like, mysteries or whatever. But I don't think that I—and I and I, I didn't—it's not that I didn't let them see Gremlins when they were, like, you know, that age, uh-huh. like, b- before they were 10 or anything like that. Which is, like, when you saw it, kind of when I saw—I mean, I was a teenager when I saw it, but, like, I don't think I would have— I don't think I would let my kids see it. it, it I, it's traumatizing. I was, like, double-checking how how yeah. old I was. Uh, I always forget the year. So Gremlins yeah. was... Oh, 80-something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 80... 84. 84. So I was... Um, I was 8 when I saw it. Yeah. And I like, was 15. Um, it just... it. I Man, it, I just... Wasn't quite ready, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and no, so it's no, of course. Stuck with me. I mean, I have a problem with Gremlins. Yeah, and I love Joe Dante. And I do think, again, I mean, whatever the rating system sometimes pisses me off, but I do think PG thirteen was a smart thing. Oh, totally. Because I go back, like I can't remember what movie, but Aspen and I were watching something the other day that was PG when mm-hmm. we were kids, and it was like, there's no fucking way. There's no way this is PG. PG now is like I don't even know the Lego Movie or some yeah, shit. Yeah, something like Almost that. Almost everything's PG thirteen. Yeah. So. Um, uh, but anyway, Goldsmith, I just think it, it's just like it's talk about like marrying tone and style. And I think of the movie, I think he does it perfectly. Right. So, yeah. That's my number three. OK, my number two. This is no surprise. This should come as no surprise to anybody uh, is The Shining. I'm shocked. Uh, <laughs> Wendy Carlos, who I think Wendy Carlos was pioneering something. <laughs> You want to talk about something that's been emulated over and over. uh, What she was doing with film score. And she she also did Clockwork Orange uh, for Kubrick. But what Wendy Carlos does and and takes Berlioz's Symphony Fantastique and then kind of like layers that with um, just like weird vocalizations and, and... 
electronic music and she even used like elements of the theremin uh-huh um there's lots of stuff happening and i mean that is also a score where it's almost it's not i think the only melodic thing about it is the use of the classical piece right, right? everything else is just kind of like tone and mood and like a, a, a sound or yeah. something and like I don't think it's exaggerating it to say that she creates the sound of the hotel. She she does. Yeah. And she she creates like God, the chase through the maze uh-huh. is one of like I think the most effective uses of right. of music score ever in a horror movie. Right. And it, it's not manipulative. No. But it is the type of thing that like that is the sound that that room would, would make. make. Yeah, because to me to say a score is manipulative, like if we go back to Hook or uh-huh. Les Mis, right? It's 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 getting something that it, the film hasn't earned, right? right? Exactly. It's like I'm crying at Hook. Hook's a stupid movie. It's a stupid fucking. It's movie. It's a stupid fucking movie. Sorry, it's, not, it's a stupid. Fucking and I love movie. Spielberg. Don't get me wrong, but right. it's just like it's bullshit. Yeah. Um, it hasn't earned it. Um, this isn't that. This is like in consort with, right. with what you're Absolutely. watching. Absolutely. And it's because it starts right at the top. And we talked about this last week. It's that opening shot Dude. of the tiny yeah. car going up the mountain. And then you've got this like beautifully orchestrated classical piece of music that is also supported by the sound of like the sounds of the place you're going going to to, yeah and it's like they're beckoning yeah like they're beckoning and you will not escape you're not gonna escape um and i I Um, think it says something that even the last thing you hear in the doctor's sleep the last moment of the doctor's sleep trailer uh is part of the score from the shining yeah um Um, i don't know what i mean and yeah she has been emulated since since she did that and it's um I don't I don't know how else to describe it except as like it's not so much music as it is the 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 you know overlook right. beckoning you to come to it and once it's got you it's like a siren song yeah right it's like the those stories in in Greek mythology where it's like the sirens are calling to you and you can't help it right and once you're there it's gonna dash you on the rocks yeah it's gonna dash you on the rocks and you're dead yeah um yeah, some some of those like the use of timpani. Fucking a, yeah. You know, in 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 that movie where it's like it starts out real low and then it's like whoa, and the like, oh god, and then just like the sh- the percussion the percussion that she uses like at the end when when you're going from room to room and yeah. you're seeing all the weird shit, yeah, and it's just like, like what the fuck yeah, is happening? Because you haven't heard anything in the whole movie like that, right? You know, you've heard kind of like the timpani real low and it uh-huh. comes up high and it goes back low and then you hear like these disembodied female voices kind of like weird and you don't know if it's a voice or if it's a theremin or what's going on and then we get to that point in the mu- in the in the movie and it's like boom boom boom, yeah. boom and it, now it's coming at you yeah and it's uh, it's terrifying i love it um yeah it's fantastic um my number two is Candyman. oh the which is has a score by philip glass for those who who don't Do know, know i was wondering if he was going to come up yeah today. so philip glass for anyone who doesn't know is is i mean a hugely influential and important modern composer, modern composer. Uh-huh. um glass is i guess is a minimalist and um he does a thing that i don't quite understand that i had to look up um is he says it is re- it, they describe him as repetitive <clears throat> while being additive 
And I think that's sort of the genius of Philip Glass is you think you're listening to a repetition, but he's actually slightly changing and adding to it, which is why I think you're like, get a sense of like, something is wrong here. Um, He does it in this theater piece called Einstein on the Beach that he did with Robert Wilson that's incredible, where you think it's the same thing, but if you really break it down, Uh it's actually shifting. And I think it keeps you off center. What he does for Candyman, I was like, I don't know how to describe the Candyman score. And I I described it as a beautiful fractured music box. He creates this like music box sound that at first is lovely and then just gets like creepier and creepier and odder and odder and I I love it. I love um, when that happens. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's he's I I really I'm and I'm not one of those people. I'm not going to pretend that I sit around and I'm just like I got to put on a Philip Glass album. Like that's, you know, but I love him. He yeah. he would score stuff live at the Chicago Theater when I lived there like uh Nosferatu right. and Dracula and shit yeah. like that. He's just He's just fucking awesome. I mean, he kind of, like, he broke the way classical music yes. was was done. Yeah. And his stuff is class. I mean, my husband is a huge fan of Which makes per- yeah, sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense if you know John. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know who he was until I, I met John, and the first thing I ever heard was Einstein on the beach, and I was like, oh, shit. This yeah, like, like, what is this dude what is working this doing? on? Yeah. He, I mean, it's clear working on, like, some other level. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, that's cool. And I love it, and it goes back to, I know I brought this up months ago, I can't remember on what list, but I, I have always thought Candyman, while appreciated, is a very underrated, underrated. movie. Yeah. And I'm like, motherfucking Philip Glass did the score, y'all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's number two for me. Okay, so are we at number one? We're at number, yes. Okay, and so. Then the joint one. Uh, number one for me is Mark Corvin's score for The Witch which is, like, my new favorite movie right. in the world. And he uses all kinds of things. Like, So I went online to kind of, like, try and figure out how would you describe the score. And um, I, I found a review on this uh, website called, I think it's, I think it's, pronounced silo or, or silo wave silo wave.com okay si i don't know and it's this person who calls himself grizzly on the klondike <laughs> who wrote this review but it's, it's I, was like, I feel like if okay, you call yourself that sure. you better come correct yeah. yeah i'm like but it is actually a really brilliant review and he, he opens his review by saying if you are a fan of decay and pensive sadness perfect then the score for The Witch is for you. And I was like, that's what it is. It's like the sound. And he loves it. Like, he's not criticizing it. No, he's sorry. like, it's beautiful. And if you love the sound of decay and pensive sadness, then this is... And I'm like, so oh my God, that is like the perfect way to describe it. Uh-huh. And, you know, Mark Corvin takes period instruments... And, and, I mean, not anything, like, crazy out of the ordinary. These are just, like, violas and cellos and lutes and stuff like that. And kind of uses them in, like, in, in stretched out ways. I won't even say different ways. Just kind of, like, weird dissonant yeah. ways. And He uses some, like, vocal stuff, too, yeah, really well. Yeah, he uses, well. like, some really cool vocal stuff. And he uses this other instrument that I want one so badly, and so does my husband. He should just build one. And it's called an an apprehension engine. Okay? Wow. And that is just like the name that the inventor of it 
um, that's, gave to it, and it's like you can go. Yeah, <laughs> if you can look, look it up on YouTube, and it's a complete like it's. Well, I mean, all instruments are made up instruments, but like this is like a new kind of instrument that's just kind of like this box. Uh huh. And you can make it however you want to, and it has strings and it has like metal parts on it, and it's basically like the perfect instrument to score a horror movie because it makes like all of these strange sounds. Cool. It's like a horror box. It's a horror box. <laughs> yeah. And um the the you know just his score is like super reminiscent of like fairy tales and and like old world I don't know, like, I always, I love Jacobean theater because it's, like, so bloody, mm-hmm. right? And I imagine that, like, if, that the witch, if the witch were a play, it would have been written in Jacobean times, uh-huh. you know, because everybody has to die sure. and, and horribly. Yeah. Um, and it reminds me of, like, like, really heavy, like, Jacobean themes and 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 so the music is very much of that period um r- religious ecstasy that, yeah I mean and it, as if religious ecstasy isn't crazy already right like it's the sound of religious ecstasy gone nuts you know yeah <laughs> I, that's great I mean like that's I, that's a great description that's kind of like I, yeah, the witch. That movie, and I really love the witch. I don't like. I know you and Aspen. It's like Aspen's obsessed with it. I too. love it so much. Um, but the the way he treats religious ecstasy, like true religious ecstasy, right? That you know you would hear stories about, like certain saints or martyrs, right? Um, tied with the score. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. It's really... And unlike anything I think no, I've seen. No, unlike anything I've ever heard. And it, like, it goes from, like, really beautiful, uh, beautifully arranged, like, actual pieces of melodic music uh, to kind of, like, weird percussive, weird shit happening to, like, vocal elements of, like, just kind of, like, witch covens in the forest, uh-huh. just kind of, like, vocalizing their version of religious ecstasy, right? Versus, Versus the, the puritanical, puritanical. yeah. Um, and it, I don't know, it just makes you feel some kind of way while, yeah, it really, while you're I, in the middle of it. I mean, it. it's the, 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 sorry, the score at the end in the final scene yeah. is, is, is fucking it, it, it's fantastic. Like, it's one of those things that, again, is like married because as Thomason, if you haven't seen The Witch, I'm sorry, but like as Thomason is like rising, 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 like she's finally realized herself uh-huh. and she's r- literally rising up in the air and the, the, vo- the voices of the women are like ah, oh, like yeah. they're rising 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 like it it just goes together so it's well perfect. that you you like you go along with which it which is why like I think you and I argued not with each other against the world against the world like always um, it, it, that, that to me that to us that the witch you can go back I think it was our second episode or something uh-huh. right um it's a happy ending. Yeah. And to me, that the sound married with that image is, is like, yeah, yes! I won! Fuck yeah! Yeah, it's, and it's an story. I know not everyone story. agrees with us, yeah. but that's because people are stupid, Christy. Yeah, exactly. That people should know that all of our ideas are gold. Gold. Um, yeah, yeah, the witch, so the that's witch, great. Yeah, and I know, like, you know, so what, what did you, what did you think was going to be on my list uh, that wasn't? I, I am shocked that 
that. And maybe it's, no, it's not even because we're working on it. I am shocked that the score from Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, is not on it, there. It almost, it almost was. I, um, it almost, I mean, like, I, I am working on Dracula, I'm working on your Dracula, and I find myself in rehearsal. Humming that shit just all the time. Like, do, 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 yeah. do, Aspen the other day, and it's, you know, she's, one of her favorite, is her favorite movie. Yeah. She was like, dude, please stop. Because I was just like, walking around the house. So was there a reason it didn't or it was just felt um i just felt like everybody would expect it so you threw you know, a, i like it i threw a curve i tried to throw a curve out there i also felt that everyone would expect ninth gate and i was kind of sad because i so there's a composer that i really love his name's Wojciech kilar he's a, a polish composer and he he did dracula, dracula. and he also did ninth gate yeah. and he uses he uses woodwinds i think every good horror score should have woodwinds yeah <laughs> and he uses woodwinds in his scores to such great effect that I mean yeah. they I've never heard an oboe sound so, so menacing yeah and then that, like and then he'll also like ring beauty out of a cello like a true like right. classical composer um, but yeah I would have thought Dracula but I love that it's not I mean I also like I left the exor- tubular bells from the exorcist I know off. I thought that you would um, have that but and- and you know, you can't hit them all. Right, right. Um, um, you also... Oh, what, what is so your... So my number, number one, one probably yeah, is not surprising to anyone. My number one is Halloween. That's because I was about to say. Yeah. I was uh, like, I haven't heard Halloween. John, John Carpenter's theme for Halloween. Uh, in my mind, the perfect movie, the perfect uh-huh. score. Legend has it that Carpenter did a showing, uh, like a viewing for studio people without the score. Mm-hmm. And they were like, this is garbage. Like, what right. is this fucking movie? And he was like, just fucking wait. Just wait. It's not finished. And then brought the score and they were like, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't imagine that movie without... The no. score is Michael. Yeah. Like... Absolutely. The score is Michael. Absolutely. And, and without it, Michael's... Especially because Carpenter boldly... Michael just fucking hangs out in daylight for a lot of the, right. the original movie. Wearing a fucking mask. Just like chilling, wearing a mask. He shows and up at an elementary school. school. And so, you know, daylight isn't... At least, especially in like old school slashers, is you just don't expect it, right? And, and that, but then the score is it just it's the score is Michael Myers, yeah. and I into me like this is going to sound strange, but like in like some ways that Darth Vader is the Imperial March, mm-hmm. like. Michael is dun 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 right, dun, and there dun, is dun, there's dun, a driving yeah. there's a driving force behind the score that is the that because Michael is the driving thing yeah like he is not gonna stop he's not gonna stop he's and, not and, gonna stop and I think yeah it's just again like I've said I think it's the perfect it's the perfect slasher movie and it's it's the perfect score yeah um and That's of its time one, but also transcends its time like there's a song a hip hop song by this group called Clipping uh-huh. that I sent John the other day and they just released a song called Nothing is Sacred that's uh-huh. essentially musically an homage to Halloween and it's fucking awesome right and it's like this this what he created is still so effective. Nine Inch Nails does a whole version of the entire score of Halloween that is so of 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 90s time uh-huh. but also undeniably Halloween. Right. You know, it's incredible. It it is a good score. And yeah, it's like that that little and because I think the way he uses daylight along with the music 
there's nothing like it. Yeah. Daylight becomes menacing. Daylight becomes like you menacing. Are, you are not safe from Michael Myers. Yeah. Anyway, anyway anywhere, anytime. To, it doesn't have, have to be, to be dark. Night. Yeah. That motherfucker is going to be standing in your backyard. Yeah, just like fucking checking you out. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so cool. we do have one crossover. Um, of course, I can't imagine anyone who listens. To yeah, us will and we be had surprised. to like we had to check with yeah. each other because I was like, "Is this going to be the crossover?" Because there's no way either of us were going to leave not, it off. Yeah, we're not going to include it. And so it is Goblin's score from the original Suspiria. Yeah, that movie is not that movie. Without no, the score, I, it, and it is so, in some ways, so fucking over the top. Yeah, but but at the same time, you're. But going, so is the movie. So is the movie. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the two, they can't exist. Right. They are mutually. They are exclusive. mutually exclusive. Like you, that you, they, they, they can't exist without each no. other. And it's. I think we have said before, like he Argento. I think. For all of his Argentoness, is a master at disorientation. Right. And then Goblin is like, yeah, we're gonna fucking prog the shit out of you, and you're right. not gonna know what you're looking you, you're at. You're not gonna know what you're looking at or what you're listening to. Also, this is, I know you listen to horror scores a all lot. All the time. I, I honestly don't I that, do. that often. Yeah. But I will just fucking kick back and listen to the Goblin score because it's also like amazing Italian prog. 70s prog rock. Yeah, it is. It's all um, of these elements mixed together. You know, like you get the la 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 and then bow. Well, then like a like kick ass bass And then a weird bass line. <laughs> yeah, it's so just like the movie. Yes. Just like the movie. Which is why, and I know. No, I don't no, know, I knew we were going to mention know, it. They Go clearly, ahead. and we've brought it up before, but like when they did the remake they knew how important the score was so they went and they got Tom York right who is you know fucking Radiohead I mean Tom York is one is huge right which is why I think I was so, so disappointed, disappointed yeah. because Tom York's score was so kind of like generic yeah non-existent um, almost. and uh, yeah I mean you, like you can't have that 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 the importance the importance of the score to that movie is I mean, we already said it. You can't have one no, without the other. No, you cannot have one without the other. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just the perfect marriage of what the fuck? Right, <laughs> right. It's so, yeah. No, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing score. And I love it when places like, you know, the Bomb Factory or other clubs or whatever uh, will show the movie uh-huh. and just kind of play the score and people are yeah, like, just kind of hanging, hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is. It is that kind of soundtrack where it's like, I do. I love listening to horror movie scores. and I'll get up on Saturday morning to clean my house or whatever and I'll throw on a horror movie score. Um or when I'm driving back from your house, right? Just to keep it extra night, creepy. Just to keep it extra creepy, I drive through the lake and I will throw on the witch <laughs> or I'll throw on the omen because I like to scare John to death. That's fair. Yeah. So hey, oh my God, we did it. We did like, it. We did it, and we we kept really good time, and we stayed on point, kind of. Mostly, yeah. Uh, mostly, we did. So let us know your favorite. Yeah, your favorite horror movie scores, and we're getting to that spooky time of year. So you know, make yourself a Spotify list. Yeah. And while you're rolling around the city, running your errands, just, just throw start. in throw in some yeah. of those horror movie scores. Because pretty soon we're gonna have to do like plan your fall. Plan your fall. It's gonna be coming up. And I have an idea for plan your fall. I think I'm gonna watch things that I've never watched before. That's great. We should do that. Uh, but you know, there's so much out there that's bad. That's true. We'll find we'll find the gems. We'll find <laughs> the gems. Okay, so what do we want to talk about next week? Do we know? I don't know. 
All right. Uh, we'll, we'll figure we'll, it we'll out. We'll figure it out. I kind of want to talk about Marianne. Oh, I do too. Okay, let's talk about Marianne. Right. right. Okay, so if you haven't seen it, go watch Marianne on Netflix. Uh, watch it in French. Watch it in French. And we'll talk about it next time. Awesome. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.